The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant. We're happy to have you here with us today. And we've been in a little bit of a kick of talking about branding And I wanted to add some different perspective to this today. I don't know if you are following the headlines at all. You've more than likely seen many articles coming out recently about the rise in automation and how it's going to be the end of us all. It's going to take all of our jobs. It's going to um, be the worst thing on earth. And although, as we talked about actually back in January with Don Don Zoo, I do believe that automation is going to impact us in many ways and it's going to impact the way we work. I don't think that there's any way it can take all of our jobs. The jobs will just shift and we can't imagine what they will look like at this point. And so it's hard to it's hard to think about that in the future. So let's talk a little bit about that today and some of the data that's come out and some of the articles that you read and some of the ways that you might read those a little bit differently to see what they're actually talking about. So a recent, um, well, actually, it's not that recent. It's just for some reason been grabbed onto recently the data um, from 2015 saying that 40%, 47% of current jobs in the U.S. were susceptible to computerization. And of course, we've seen lots of other data, lots of other articles coming out that say somewhat the same thing, that a large part of our jobs are subject or susceptible to computerization or automation, is that a word, in the near future. Automation, that's the right word. So when we look at that, we we can be afraid. And oftentimes, unfortunately, that may be why the article is phrased that way, is to get you to have that shock value to read it and continuing reading it so that they can have their readership. So when we look at this, first of all, it's realizing that a lot of the time they're just sharing the jobs that are going to be lost. And so one of these articles was talking about 3.5 million jobs will be lost to automation. And Let's put that into some perspective, and this is an MIT professor, Andrew McAfee, who maybe you are following and read. He's writing this on on LinkedIn and putting it into some perspective. 
and you can find similar numbers for yourself just in the U.S. workforce data numbers that they're putting out. So 3.5 million jobs that this study said are going to be lost to automation. So he, Andrew, is sharing that there are almost half that many layoffs every two months in the United States. So over 1.5 million people are laid off every two months in the U.S., which also seems staggering, but somehow we all make it, right? And 6 million or so people voluntarily leave their jobs. He doesn't give a time period for that. But you get the idea. People are moving around and there's large numbers of jobs lost all the time and even more created. So that is hard for us to keep in mind because the numbers just seem so staggering. And when we think of you and me, And our communities, it's hard to even fathom what 1.75 million jobs looks like or what, you know, three and a half million jobs looks like. But when we look at some of this other data, it helps keep it into some perspective. And and I think you can see that there are 600,000 open jobs right now. So there's a lot of jobs out there to be lost and created and moving around all the time. So when we look at unemployment, and unemployment is another one of those wiggly terms because people will say, oh, well, it it doesn't include people who have dropped out of the workforce. Um, However, the number has been calculated the same way for a long time. So the unemployment's going down and you can look at, you know, the participation in the workforce, is that going up or down? A lot of that is very regional and has to do a lot with the type of work that's offered in a certain area. But in general, unemployment's been going down, so there are are more jobs being created. So what Andrew is contesting here is that although automation and computerization may be poised to eliminate, which is maybe a harsh word, eliminate Jobs, oftentimes these articles don't share any data about what those technologies or other new technologies might do to create jobs. And unfortunately, a lot of the conversation around this is hard to follow and the data is a little wiggly because it depends on the case of who you're reading and what they're trying to make in terms of a case. And we always need to keep that in mind when we're reading these articles. Some articles will contest that there are people-driven tasks that automation can't do. Some people will say that computers will get smarter than us and, and you know, they'll take these human-based jobs that we think they can't take. I tend to think that if the computers get smarter than us to the point where we don't need waiters, waitresses, nurses, marketing people, that our our problem won't be a lack of jobs. We'll probably have bigger problems if robots get to be that smart. So thinking about all of this and what's going to happen in the future, and of course we don't know, and most predictions Andrew says about how many jobs are lost and how fast things move. Most projections are way off. That's why they're called forecasts. And one of the local economists that I know loves to 
to joke about that, the fact that he gets paid to make predictions that are most of the time completely wrong. And that's kind of how this all works. Let's think about what we do with that. So what do you do with this information that things are being more automated and there may be automation taking your job? Let's bring it down to something that's practical and something you can do something about. And of course, one of the things that we talk about in this show is staying aware of what's coming up. In last week's show, Marietta and I talked about having an in-demand brand and how part of that is watching the marketplace and understanding what's going on in your industry, in your target industries. What skills do you have that people might need in the future? What are going to be the gaps? What are going to be the pain points? What are the drivers that you need to pay attention to so that you have the next skill set in in need in your industry? What are you doing to have continuous learning in your life? What are you doing to stay on top of um, on top of things? And unfortunately, many companies aren't offering that to you anymore, although they are starting to as they're feeling the crunch of less available people to hire. But your company may not be doing that for you. They may not be managing your learning. They may not be helping you stay on top of the skills you need. So you're going to have to do it yourself. And I was just talking to an engineer who is sharing how their, their project manager was saying, oh, you know, I don't have some of these skills. And, and I said, well, can't you take a, you know, a Coursera class for that? And, and I'm sure there's a strategic planning that was the project manager. Project managers are often much better at execution, right, than, than strategic planning. And I said, well, there's probably a strategic planning class that they could take through Coursera or some other low cost or free service and at least get an idea of how they could build their skill in that. Just because it's not a strength doesn't mean that they can't have that skill. So looking forward, looking for what's needed and then identifying your gaps and how you can fill them. That's kind of the practical piece of staying marketable, marketable, the practical piece of making sure that you don't miss out on opportunities in the future and don't get left behind. Most of the time when I see people who've been left behind, they have really had that head down mentality. I used to work with a lot of Uh, engineers who are in the semiconductor industry and the semiconductor industry crashed horribly either was outsourced to Asia or the the technology shifted and they their company wasn't doing well anymore and they were having a hard time pivoting making that shift from doing what they'd done in this specific way, in this specific industry, to figuring out how to use those skills in a different industry, in a different way, in a different manner. And that's what we want to avoid for you, is your industry pivoting and you being left behind, not having the skills you need or not understanding how to transition your skills into a new arena. One part of that is this market piece and being aware of where the market's going, what the market need is. The other side of that is this idea around you 
being unique and understanding how you add unique value in your industry, in your type of work, and being able to speak to that almost no matter what the work is. Skills can be taught and you can make the transition if you understand how to communicate what unique value you add or what you bring to the table or as my um, colleague Venice says, what you bring to the party, right? What do you bring that's different than what other people bring? And how can you identify that? So that's what we're going to spend the show talking about today. And I've got some resources for you that we're going to dive into. Um, You probably heard about it, but we're going to talk a little bit about Blue Ocean Strategy and how that might play into your idea, your thinking about your brand and your work in the future. We're going to talk a little bit about a similar idea, similar concepts from a book called Different by Youngmi Moon. And then we're also going to chat a little bit about different brand archetypes, just to get you thinking about different ways that you can speak to what's unique about you and and really flaunt those quirks. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into how you can use some of these business concepts to differentiate yourself and keep yourself in demand and differentiated as you move forward. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Each week, Larry Sternberg joins Dr. Kim Turnage to explore management issues from culture to discipline in Managing to Make a Difference. Join Talent Plus for 60 minutes of dynamic conversation, including real-life management examples helping you manage teams across the globe. This series airs on Voice America, the business channel, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Managing to Make a Difference every Thursday afternoon with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. What can we do to prepare for a career-altering interview or presentation, land an important deal, or simply play a great game of golf? These activities depend on preparation and execution, which grouped together we call performance. Uncover the mysteries of our mind and unlock the secrets of great performance by illuminating the mental side of life. When we better understand why we do the things we do and what keeps us from accomplishing our goals, we elevate our success. Listen for The Mental Game of Life with Dr. Christie, Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. We're excited to be talking today about how you can keep in demand and on top of changes in your field when everything seems gloom and doom about um, AI and and automation, computerization taking all of our jobs. So how do you stay on top of those pieces in terms of watching externally and cluing into your industry, understanding what's going on, being a part of industry groups, watching the newsletters, understanding how automation is coming in. And in a human resources conference I was at a few years ago, they were talking about this in the recruiting world because, of course, you know, automation is coming into the recruiting world in a big way, sourcing candidates, even interviewing candidates and scoring their interviews using a a system. And they were very astute to be talking about how understanding what you can do to make the technology add more value is going to help you keep your job. So instead of resisting the technology, instead of um, being afraid of it, to really be that person who dives in and learns it the best so that you're irreplaceable. And I was just, as I'm saying that, reminded of the the new movie that, that came out where the women were the computers in the NASA operation right and there if you haven't seen the, the movie it's a great movie they're in charge of of the technology and one of the women does just this she sees a new technology coming in to take her job i.e an actual computer right and what she does is just this in terms of realizing that this technology has the opportunity to take her job, but that it also needs a human to manage the technology, to run the technology. And so I won't, I won't spoil it for you, but it's, it's taking this idea that instead of being afraid of it or trying to work separately from it and somehow make yourself more valuable than it to figure out how you're of value when you run the technology, how you can add value and make the technology add even more value because of your expertise in how to integrate it and how to use it. So other ways that we want to add value are really just realizing what we do when we're marketing ourselves and we're really always marketing ourselves we don't like to think about it that way we like to think about you know that we do everything so authentically but the truth is that anytime we think about what we're going to say or do before we do it we're marketing and in some ways that's a good thing a little bit of Um, self-assessment before we speak is not a bad thing, right? But we're selecting. What do we say? How is that going to be heard by the people around us? Is it what we want people to think about us? 
And that's not a negative thing. It's, it's key to us being able to have great communication, to think about the other person and how are they going to receive what we're saying. And yet, when we're always marketing in our communication and we're thinking about what we say and we're uh, adjusting what we say to be perceived the way we want to be perceived, we also fall into the trap that many companies fall into when they're marketing. And so this is um, uh, the book called Different by Yongmi Moon. And she talks about products and how they try to differentiate or how they try to add more value. And so she talks about augmentation by addition. So a product extending itself by adding more. So you think about um, something that you see and it's uh, maybe even Tide detergent, right? Then they come out with Tide plus stain removers or then they come out with the Tide in in an old concentration so you don't have to buy as much of it. And that's the augmentation by addition, you know, bigger and better than ever, now with more features. And I see individuals do this to themselves. It's kind of the me too, plus, plus, plus. So you say, well, my colleagues and, and maybe competitors in getting this next job, they have A plus certification in computers, but I have A plus and I have my Microsoft certification and I have this and, 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 and. And it's additions to what everyone else has but it's not necessarily different. It's not telling me how it adds value. It's just plus, plus, plus. So I see job seekers doing this and the years of experience is this uh, classic. You know, everybody has experience. And so if you say, well, I have 10 plus experience or 10 plus years or 15 plus years, you're just plus, plus, plusing, but you're not telling me how it adds any value we all could have 30 years of experience and it doesn't mean that we've accomplished anything or added any value in those roles. Right. So be careful of this um, default here to talk about how we have more and better features without really talking about the benefits of what those are or the value of those. So that's augmentation by addition. The other mistake that, candidates make that companies do in their marketing as well is augmentation by multiplication. So this means that I'm going to add more and more different types of things I can do. And this is your classic person who has a resume that says they're an engineer and an accountant and an entrepreneur and a, and, 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 and so we try to say all these things I can do, look at all of these things I can do. But again, we're not showing how they add value. We're not showing how they come together and and build a cohesive picture for the the person. And we're kind of just throwing everything in the kitchen sink into the mix. So I have all these choices of all these different things that I can do. Job seekers don't tend to do that as much as they do the augmentation by addition, where it's more and more and more on top of something. So this book different argues that instead of doing those things, we consider how 
we can build a brand that is just that, that is actually different. And one of the concepts around different and and being actually different is the idea of blue ocean strategy. So if you haven't heard of blue ocean strategy, I recommend that you, you know, go onto Wikipedia or whatever. You don't need to buy the book, but just get an idea of what they're talking about here. And I've worked with a lot of um, individuals who are innovators or, or entrepreneurs who also talk about filling the white space and, to me, the two concepts are fairly similar, similar, although they have some differences. The idea of blue ocean strategy is that instead of being in the red ocean where competitors are fighting for dominance, the idea obviously being there that the sharks in the ocean turn it red with blood, that we look for a blue ocean, a new area of demand, uh, and it's you know creating blue oceans of uncontested market space. And this is a 2005 book by Chan Kim and Renee Momborn. But of course, there's so many books out there that it's it's possible you haven't heard of this one, or maybe you think about it in terms of business strategy, but haven't thought about how it might apply to you. So instead of thinking about how you can compete with people in your same job or how you can compete maybe even with people inside your company for an internal position, think about how you individually, independently, with your own unique background and experience, could could open a different area and create something new. And there are, are different ways that this might look for you individually. Um but how you can create something where there's no contest for what type of job you're going to do because you're that specific about how you build your unique strengths together and how you tell your story about what you do. And this seems like a far, you know, far out concept because we're so used to thinking about what we have that everyone else has, or we're trying to fit into the the box of a job description. And looking at that job description really helps kind of put us in a box, and that can be important during some parts of the process. But our ability to get out of that box and kind of break out of the competitive structure can help us create demand for what we do in a different way. So kind of a a simple example, I've worked with a software program manager, project manager years ago, and he said to me, you know, what I do is I create offshore teams. Now you might think, well, that's really specific. What if he can't find a company who's looking for people to create an offshore team? Well, that's part of that market analysis and knowing what the pains are. And it takes a lot of guts to do that, to build a brand around being a software manager that creates offshore teams. However, when he does that, he differentiates himself 
from all the other project managers who are listing their PMPs and, you know, one-upping each other's in terms of credentials, but they're not really sharing how they're different or how they add value. What is it that is the problem that they solve? And perhaps if there's a problem that they solve that isn't being solved by a lot of people. And products can often avoid falling into some of these marketing traps by looking at market demand and what's out there and how do I meet that demand. Employees don't think about it that way very often. We, we kind of think about our skills and what we have to offer or what companies we know about or what positions are open. We, we don't think about what are the needs, what are the gaps And how could we fill those? And thinking that way just in and of itself will help us get out of that red ocean world where we're fighting against a hundred other applicants and get into that, that blue ocean where we're creating new demand, where we're talking to employers in a completely different way than we're used to. And we still are going to do it within the process that that they're used to perhaps but we're going to break out of just looking at a job description and thinking how do I meet or exceed those and really looking outside the box of what else what are the needs what are the pains and how can I show that I'm a I'm adding value in that way or realizing that it's not how I add value and it may not be the best place to Best, best place to work, best position, best fit for me. So we're going to take another short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other ways that we can use marketing and business lessons to differentiate and some other brand archetypes that you can use to differentiate your brand. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. If you want to hone the right skills to become a CEO or stay there as a competitive strategic leader, check out CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. You'll learn the tips to success and hear from the experts who are at the top of their games. You'll make your company stand out from the competition and build your own reputation in the process. Top executives are made, not born. So take charge of your future growth. Listen for CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific on Voice America Business. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. 
with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. are tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at a strategic advantage.com now back to the career confidant Welcome back, and today we've been talking about ways to stay ahead of the curve in terms of looking for where your industry is going and how you're going to move in a way that keeps you employable and keeps you in demand. And part of that is recognizing where your industry is going and what skills you need, and then part of it is realizing that we are prone to marketing ourselves in a way that highlights features and kind of me too's instead of really being willing to talk about how we're different and highlight how we're different and build on how we're different. So we were talking a little bit about blue ocean versus red ocean strategy and figuring out where your demand for your type of skill is going to come next so that you can market yourself in a different way instead of just a answer to a job ad. How can you find out what's really not being said and do your research, talk to people. And and really, if you're staying engaged in your industry, you don't have to know specifically what those company's pain points are if you're staying in in touch with your industry you can pretty much get what the pain points are because your company is going to be feeling them too of course always best to be able to talk to someone in your target company so that you can address those specific pains as much as possible or market how you will be the solution to those pains as much as possible the book difference also talks about A few other ways we can think about how we look at differentiating our brand. It talks about three case studies and, you know, she says in here that these are not the only ways a brand can be different, but they're just some examples. One of them is reversal. So being the opposite of what people expect. And the example there is Google. Of course, Google's clean blank search screen being a reversal to what people were used to with the busy welcome page of the Yahoo search. Um, um, But thinking about how that was so different than what people were used to 
it's not a very apparent example to me because I wasn't big into computers when Yahoo was big and Google just started, but um, I show my age there a little bit. But it's a good example for those of you who may have been around during those times when Yahoo was the place that everyone went and then Google being so different with that blank welcome page just completely reversed of what people were expecting. In your work, that may come with some areas where you could be the reversal of what people expect and it can work for you. So employers may have uh, specific things that they're looking for. And of course, you want to show how they have those. But in what way could you also be the reversal? For instance, I know lots of companies like to hire people from other industries because it brings in that totally fresh perspective. And I'll talk to people who say, oh, you know, I'm not going to apply for that position because I don't have any industry experience. And if we know that uh, a company may be looking for something new, we can use that. Or it's simply our ability to present this reversal as a benefit instead of a potential detriment. So are we able to communicate this is going to be a benefit to you because I have these different things that are completely the opposite of what you thought you might want? How are you the reversal of what they think they might want? And how can you demonstrate that difference is a benefit, that difference adds value? The second type she talks about is breakaway. And I think this is a little bit more challenging because most of us, and even the examples that she gives, I would argue, are we ever really breaking away? Is is there really true innovation in, in that it's something that no one's ever thought about? The example that she gives in here is a robot. And instead of a robot, um, you know, Sony turned it into a pet, Abo was the breakaway brand because it challenges what people would classify as that specific thing. So this could happen in your job search. I've seen it happen for people, for instance, who were counselors and went into sales positions and you might think, well, wait, wait a minute, how does that work? But in essence, it's the same skills just applied in a completely different way. Um, You may see entrepreneurs who are very effective at entering into organizations and, and becoming leaders and or, you know, marketing and salespeople there. In some ways that can be a, a breakaway because you're, you're transitioning and doing something completely different, but that one's probably the most challenging. However, it's important for us to think about how could we, if we do add something completely different, how can we use that and show its benefit instead of kind of sweeping it under the rug, which we tend to do. I was working with a chef once who wanted to go into accounting and, you know, do you sweep that chef piece under the, the carpet or do you figure out how to position it as a benefit and use it as a unique selling point 
if you can tell that story, it makes you much more interesting than probably any other accounting candidate that's going to apply. So that kind of breakaway differentiation, one of their other examples is Swatch, where, you know, it came out and it was all bright colored and just completely different than what was going on in the industry at the time. The last one is hostility. And I've seen some job seekers use this effectively. You have to do it without being mean. The example they give here is Mini and Mini Cooper when it came out. You know, people said, oh, that's so small. And they used that. They said, yeah, we're small. In fact, we're Mini. You know, you've got extra large, large, medium, small, um, extra small, and then you've got Mini. And kind of flaunting that and not making any excuses or apologies for something. This is an area where, although I don't think we want to be hostile about it, you can have a similar approach in some ways. If you have something you can't change about yourself, that's pretty obvious. So if you're over 70, it's going to be pretty obvious to most people that hire you that you're quote unquote older how could you use that to your advantage? How could you market yourself in a way that doesn't apologize for that and doesn't try to hide it, um, maybe doesn't throw it in people's face necessarily? How can you show that it adds value or build some humor around it, do something that uses that difference instead of, instead of sweeping it under the rug? So that idea of hostility just an, an interesting, fun way to think a little bit different about how we talk about ourselves and how we market ourselves. Um, I liked this book for a while because she actually hadn't used Apple as an example, and then she finally did use Apple as an example later on. <laughs> I'm anti-Apple, if you must know. So the idea here is to brainstorm Ways that you could do things differently, ways that you are different than your peers, ways that you could meet a a market need, which people might not be doing in your field. It has to be benefit focused, not feature focused. So taking those features that you might have that are different and figuring out how they add benefit, how they add value to the audience But is there a way that you might use reverse breakaway or maybe hostile ideas in how you market yourself and how you position yourself as different than all the other candidates applying for the same positions that you are? This really is about doing something that is thoughtful. And she talks about that at the end of the book. Companies who are able to do this, it's really because they've taken the time to understand what the market need is and how they can bring human humanism to it, human touch, human thought, human interaction, human intellect, which again goes against this idea of um, AI taking over everything. It, I think we're a long ways from AI being able to interpret the same way as a human to being able to 
interact in that same way, although maybe closer than I think. But if you can really build your your brand, your value, your message around how you add value by how you're different, that will help you moving forward. Because when you get into situations where there is a competitive market, where there is a competition for that next step, it's the person who stands out in a good way that's going to have the upper hand. And the more you're clued into what other people are needing, looking for, and how you can meet that need, most people aren't thinking about that. They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about what they want. They're thinking about how to get there. And if you stay customer focused and really think about those people who are your future hiring managers as a customer, you will blow them away. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to look at the 12 brand archetypes briefly. Another way to think about how you have an unique message, unique value to share in a little bit more concrete way. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. If you're looking for an in-depth, thought-provoking discussion about leadership, tune in to Bernard E. Robinson's The Leadership Forum, making an impact through effective leadership. Each program provides an intelligent, conversational experience about leadership from Bernard, his guests, and you. If you're interested in improving the quality of leadership in your organization, listen live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time for the Leadership Forum on the Voice America Business Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. 
Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we are talking about differentiating your brand. And it's something that, you know, we kind of talk a lot about in a, of course, you know how to do this kind of way. So I thought today we'd dive into some different concrete ways that you can differentiate your brand. So beyond thinking in kind of a blue ocean way and what are the company's needs and how can you meet them? How can you break out of thinking just in terms of competitiveness, but really in terms of how you add value where the needs are in your target audience? Then we also talked a little bit about how you can be a breakaway or reverse or maybe even a hostile brand, just thinking about when does it make sense to kind of do what's not expected on purpose. And we have to be a little bit careful about this. We don't want to overdo it. But when something is expected of someone like you, when might there be some value in not being that on on purpose? or being that plus something completely different. And we're going to talk about these 12 brand archetypes that may give us some insight into that even further. So 12 basic identities or archetypes, and some of these are going to apply more to you as an individual employee or entrepreneur than others. The magician makes dreams come true. This is probably one that most um, employees stay away from because, of course, we don't want to make any promises that we can make someone's dream come true like Disney does. However, there may be a, a time that it makes sense to promote your ability as a magician to magically make things so or to make things magic for a company. The sage is always seeking truth. And I would say I work with a lot of engineers and IT folks who build their brand on this kind of sage ideal scientists. And that might be a strong way to build your brand and and promote this archetype that is expected. However, you might also think of what other archetype fits for you and your strengths. And perhaps how could you promote that as something that is not expected when you're looking at that type of position or competing against other people who are presenting as sage brands. The innocent just wants to be happy. So an innocent brand kind of takes you back to your childhood. I think of all the um, campers that are being sold right now, especially this summer season, that are fashioned after the kind of 1960s old style camper trailers, you know, that's a brand definitely playing up on that happiness and nostalgia. You as a person might do that if you are trying to promote yourself into a position where that could be a good fit, maybe even an HR position or something like that, an event manager position. The outlaw seeks revolution. So this one I see a lot from managers, executives, the turnaround artist, right? 
might be a very powerful brand archetype to take on when it's very true to you and and great stories that you can tell. I see some people try to take this on when it's not authentic and it just doesn't work. If you don't have the turnaround and kind of outlaw stories to back it up, it, it kind of falls flat. The jester lives in the moment. So we see this in some of our training employees. We might see it in some of our sales people where they're always kind of being funny. If this is something that is true to you, it can work very well as a, as a positioning tool, as long as you don't overdo it and, and can't be taken seriously. Um, definitely not something you want to force if it's just not yours. The lover. So this is someone who's kind of passionate and thinking about celebration, um, really focusing in on what they're passionate about. I don't think I've seen very many people take that kind of brand on, but you could. The Explorer. So in Colorado, I look with a lot of people who have that one as part of their brand, rock climbers and those types of people. You want to think about how that adds value to an employer. It's great to have that as part of your story and part of your brand and talk about how you do those things outside of work. And then how do you translate that to work and what does it mean at work? The ruler wants absolute power. That one's probably one to avoid as an individual, but it's talking about high quality and expensive. Although I wouldn't equate it with ruler, I would want all of you to have a brand that's perceived as high quality and expensive. I don't want any of us to be a commodity, and that's part of why we do any of this branding work. The caregiver nurtures you. Our HRs, our counselors are going to fall into that brand. Sometimes that might be your benefit. At other times, you might think of other aspects of your brand that you want to promote that would be different. Probably most of the people in those areas are going to have that same archetype. So what else might you do and might you bring that's different? The hero, someone that's going to promote themselves, wants to prove themselves, sorry, not promote themselves. So our military, returning military, have this kind of hero archetype sometimes, and that's a great strength, figuring out how to communicate it. And and it says here in this description, you know, rise to the occasion. How can we share that as a benefit to the corporate world? The regular guy or girl wants to belong. So not being pretentious, maybe the most challenging archetype to pull off because it's it really isn't an archetype. It's more of that kind of girl next door. And that can work for some brands. And then the creator craves per- perfection. So how that might play out, of course, for a graphic designer or a writer might be a lot different than if you have some creator, even though you're a a counselor or you have some creator, even though you're a CEO. So thinking about what might your two or three different archetypes be and when do you want to promote either one to show how you are different 
from the pack for whatever type of position that you're targeting. So when you think about brand, it's really about how you add unique value. Instead of always comparing ourselves to the competition to figure out that unique piece, we might also look at what the needs are in the market and figure out how our differences, how our unique experiences, how our strengths add value there maybe even outside of the idea of competition and competitive analysis, thinking in that blue ocean, kind of filling the white space language instead of always looking at the competitive analysis. Next week, we'll be talking to Deborah Feldman about your job search and where to get started in job search and how to get started in job search way before you need it. She offers some great tips, so I look forward to seeing you next week here on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 